Thanks, praise team. I, I hope you really engage and especially engage in the lyrics of the words you sang out. Now, we're going to turn the page here and look at Colossians chapter 3. Now, I encourage you already, get your Bible, get a paper. I'm going to have you write down a couple things. These are going to be significant as we go into this new year. So, Colossians chapter 3, we're going to start in verse 1. Paul is writing this to the church at Colossae. And what is going on here is that there is mass growth of Christianity throughout the whole Roman world, especially in the Greek-speaking area, the Gentile areas. Now, up till now, the Jewish people have been scattered throughout the Roman Empire, and so you have a lot of Jewish people from Jewish faith as well as Gentiles living together. And here comes Christianity on the scene, the opportunity to believe in Jesus Christ. And so there is sometimes a, a misunderstanding of how it plays out into real life practically. And so Paul often is writing instruction to the churches, to the believers on how to live out this faith. Let's just pause right there. Today, we need instruction on how to live this Christian faith out. There is so much, I think that, or I, I, I believe that, that's not necessarily grounded in God's word. And so I want you to view this morning, Paul's words as a letter written to us, speaking to us, even us as believers in Christ, written to us on how to live out this faith. Now, I just want to spend about the next 10 to 12 minutes uh, this morning with you walking through these verses. So, Colossians chapter 1, put your eyeballs on it, and let's just read. He says first, therefore, if you were raised with Christ, so if you are a believer in Christ, look at things that are above where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. So he's asking us first, if you claim to be a Christian, put your view and your focus on different things than this world puts their focus on. He says, things from above, meaning things that are from God. So that's the first thing is we need to put our focus on things that are from God. We can spend so much time in our lives every day focusing just on the things around us. But Paul is encouraging us, look to the things above. What's significant to God? What's important to God the Father? Now, God's not saying, hey, you can't own a car, you can't own a house, you know, you can't even do entertainment things. God is suggesting that we put it all within the framework of who he is first and foremost. He says in verse 2, think about the things above and not the things on earth. Everything around us is temporal. But God says, look to him, the things from above. These are the more permanent. It's like the phrase we often use when we see somebody hurting and then we think about our lives and we say, hey, it's a matter of putting it in perspective. We are blessed. And that is what we're supposed to do here. We're supposed to put in perspective the Christian life versus this worldly life, looking at it from that view. Then he says, look, you died and your life was hidden in Christ. What do you say? Look, when you became a Christian, don't you understand you didn't just make a choice to say, ah, I guess I'll be a Christian. You surrendered your life to Christ. If you want this thing called Christianity to work, you need to understand first and foremost, it is surrendering my life to God in Jesus Christ. And that is what Paul is reminding. When he says your life is being hidden, he's meaning your selfish life. When you do what you want to do, that's been hidden. 
that's been covered up with Christ. You now have a new life available to you in Christ. But it's a life that's surrendered. Make no means about it. If we don't want to surrender ourselves over to Christ, it's very difficult to say we're really living out this thing called a Christian life. Verse 4, when Christ, who is your life, Christ is our life, is revealed, then you will also be revealed with him in glory. Now, that's talking about some some eternal down-the-road things that we don't necessarily have time theologically to work through this morning. But just know that when you have a life in Christ, when your life is hidden in Christ, when Christ reveals himself, you're going to be revealed right along with him. In fact, this actually ties into some of what we're studying on Wednesday nights in the book of Revelation. Um, but that I'll save for another time. Or join us on Wednesday nights when we kick back off. January 11th, everything on Wednesday night is going to be back on. And so uh, we're looking forward to that. Verse 5. Here's where it gets where the rubber meets the road. This is practical. So think about this. Get your pen and paper ready because I'm going to challenge you in a, in a couple areas. So, verse 5. Put to death the parts of your life that belong to the earth. Put to death. That means destroy, kill off the parts of your life that are tied to the earth. Now, just in case we don't understand what he's talking about, he's going to give us some examples. Now, it's not an exhaustive list, but here are some examples that certainly show up on it, such as sexual immorality, moral corruption, lust, evil desire, and greed, which is idolatry. He says, put to death sexual immorality. Listen, sexual immorality, in God's view, is anything that is sexual activity outside of the confines that he has created it in, a marriage between a husband and a wife. And so he says, put that off, all of that sexual immorality. Put to death moral corruption. Put to death that type of thing. Put to death lust. Not just lust, like, you know, like I see a girl and I go, oh, she's hot. I'm going to lust after her. Lust of anything, anything that you would lust or desire after. Evil desire. Now, remember, we, we define what evil is, but let me do it again just in case you've missed it. Evil biblically is not defined as that came from the pit of hell. No, evil is not of God. So if something is not of God, by definition, it is evil. And here he's saying, put off your evil desires. Put off, put to death your desires for things that are not of God. Why do we get so locked in to desiring? Why do we get so locked into creating this neutral category? Well, that's not really bad. It's not really of God, It's but it's not really bad. So, you know, it's okay. It's in the middle, right? What's wrong with it? Well, Paul says a lot, a lot's wrong with it. Put away your evil desire, anything that's not from God, and greed, which is idolatry. He's saying, look, if we greed after, I want, I want, I want, I want, I want. He's saying, look, that's the same as idolatry. That's the same as just putting an idol up and worshiping that idol. So practically, put to death those things. Put to death. Now, I want you to see something right away. Paul is saying in verse 5, put to death. Be intentional. You have to do it. We don't just sit on our spiritual couch and just say, oh, Holy Spirit, rain on down on me. Hallelujah. And all these things are gone. There is an, an inner working with the Holy Spirit that takes our intentionality of, of putting this aside as well. He picks up in verse six. 
The wrath of God is coming upon disobedient people because of these things. Now, let's just pause for a second because people misunderstand this all the time. We think of wrath as the vengeance, the condemnation, the I'm getting back at you type of thing. So when my wrath comes, like you do something to me and my wrath does something back to you, maybe even something worse, like the wrath gets the final word type of thing. But that's not what wrath means here in the New Testament at all. It basically means the anger, the frustration, the indignation. And so when we look at this, verse 6, look, the anger of God, the frustration of God is coming upon those who are disobedient. Now, who's he writing this to? The church, believers. So before you point the fingers and say, oh, those non-Christians out there, you know, that's not Paul's audience here. Paul's audience is speaking to Christians and saying, put to death those things. You were hidden in Christ. So intentionally put those to death because the frustration and anger of God comes on those people who are unwilling to intentionally put those things to death, who basically say, hey, I'm a Christian, but I'm going to live out this way as well. I'm going to live out sexual morality and moral corruption and lust and evil desire and greed. If I want to have sex, I'll have sex. Who cares if I'm married? Who cares with who is it with? If I want to covet something, who cares? If I want to have greed to someone, who cares? If I want to create a neutral category, you know, whatever, you know. Paul says, no, God is frustrated by those things. He is bothered by that. There is his anger that comes in those. So it's not like a judgment down the road. He's frustrated right now with us. And before you say, oh, what an angry God. Think about it from a parenting perspective. Do we not as parents get frustrated with our kids? Yeah, we do. We get frustrated if they do Anything that we've asked them not to, if if I say, hey, the Raven family, this is what we're about and this is what we're not about. And when my kids violate those things, yeah. Am I frustrated? Absolutely. Does it change my love for them? Not one bit. And neither does it of God. Don't confuse those things. God has allowed frustration with us when we claim one thing, when we call ourselves his child, and yet we don't want to live in his ways. Now, does he want to transform us? Yeah. Does he give the Holy Spirit to help us? Absolutely. We're talking about times when we reject that or we ignore that and we go back to our old ways. In fact, he says in verse 7, you used to live this way when you were alive in those things. When those things gave you what you thought was life, that's how you used to live. But that's not what it is now. In fact, verse 8, but now, Notice again, intentionality, set aside these things. Now he's going to give us another list of things to set aside. Again, I don't think it's an exhaustive list, but here's another list. He says, set aside, be intentional. You choose to set these aside. Anger, rage, malice, slander, and obscene language. Now here's just a few things. He said, look, these are not the ways of Christ. When we, would, when we would live in anger, right? When we'd live in wrath, when we rage out, when we live in malice and slander. Boy, do we slander other people. Sometimes we slander people and we, we, we sugarcoat it, candy coat it, so it sounds kind of nice. Like, you know, I'm just saying. That's what we say. Like, I'm just saying. You know, as, as if that softens. No, by definition, it's still slander. And we're called, don't do that. 
obscene language. Now, again, there's no list of words here. It's not like, you know, like, hey, these four-letter words, not good, or these. But he says, there's a way you speak that is obscene. And I would ask you not to do that. These are not the ways of God, is what Paul is saying. He's more direct in verse 9. Don't lie to each other. Don't lie to each other. Do not lie, is what Paul is saying. Now, you can get into an ethical uh, debate if you want. What if, uh, you know, a gun was to my head and they asked me, where are my kids? And I said, I don't know, but when I really did, now that's a lie, right? You can get into those discussions if you want. But we're not living that out, right? That's not really what we're talking about here. We're talking about don't lie. Don't lie to each other. Just say the truth. Be truthful to one another. Don't justify when you lie. Just tell each other the truth. Take off the old human natures at the end of verse 9 with its practices. So notice now verse 8 and 9 are very intentional. Very intentional. What does he say that? Set aside. You have to choose to set aside these things. Set them aside. I'm going to say, I have this. I struggle with this. I am setting that aside. I'm putting that aside. Now, again, is that easier said than done? Absolutely. That's where the Holy Spirit comes in. That's where the Holy Spirit empowers us to do these things. But the Holy Spirit's not going to do it for us. The Holy Spirit's not going to come in and say, I'll set that anger aside for you. You just, you're, you're fine. No, we choose to intentionally say, I'm setting this aside. And the Holy Spirit empowers us, empowers us. Now, that's not the end of it, though, because there's something we need to do on the other side. Check out verse 10. And put on the new nature, which is renewed in knowledge by the conforming of the image to the one who created it. Put on the new nature. But there's an intentionality with this as well. Look at it. it. The intentionality is it's renewed in the knowledge of conforming to the image of the one who created it. What does that mean? You have to renew your knowledge of what it means to live in the image of God, to live like God, to live out Christianity. We need to renew it every single day. It's why we keep pushing to say, you got to have a daily time with God. You've got to open up and you've got to read God's word. You've got to know God's word, right? And study it. Why? Because that is renewing your knowledge every day on what it means to live in the image of God, to live as Christians. That's an intentional step. Super intentional. You have to do it. Again, we don't just sit on the spiritual couch and wait for the Holy Spirit rain to fall on us. Hallelujah. No, there's intentionality and the Holy Spirit meets us within that intentionality and makes it something it couldn't be on its own. So daily, you got to renew your knowledge by conforming to the image. Today, I'm going to... So here'd be a question, first thing to write down. What is one thing that comes to mind first? that you need to conform to the image of God. You know what it is. I mean, you know one thing. You might say, oh, my lust and my, my greed, or you know, I'm a shopaholic, or I'm a whatever. What is one thing that needs to conform to the image of God? What is that? Well, you might have wrote one thing down. Maybe you wrote more than one thing down, right? That thing is something you want to renew in God every day, every day. You know, Lord, today, 
Lord, today, would you help me with this? Lord, today, would you empower me by your spirit? Lord, today, I believe you want to overcome within me through your spirit every day. Maybe you're like, I I just don't know enough about Jesus. And so I don't always know how to live like Jesus. When, When Pastor Tom says we need to live like Jesus, I'm not always sure what that means. Well, how would we renew in knowledge every day? We get in this Bible and we read about Jesus and we go, oh, that's what he was about. Oh, that's who he is. Oh, that's what he did. I better do that. That's renewing every day our knowledge. And we are conforming then intentionally. I will be like that because that's what you are like. Verse 11. In this image, there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised nor uncircumcised. Barbarian, Scythian, slave nor free, but Christ is in all and in all people. Here's what's going on. There is this mass debate here that's happening among Jewish believers and among Gentile believers. What do we have to do? Who is better in the hierarchy on how we're living this thing out? What about the law and how does that come into play? All of this kind of landed on this thought that at the time, Jewish Christians viewed themselves a little higher than Gentile Christians, or they demanded that Gentile Christians live a certain way based on the old covenant. But Paul comes in and say, look, in what I just said, in being raised with Christ, your life being surrendered to Christ, you being hidden in Christ, then you intentionally putting to death those parts of your life that belong to this world, understanding that God is not pleased when we don't. When you intentionally say, I used to live this way, but now I need to put on a new nature, which puts aside these things such as anger, malice, and slander, obscene language. This is the new nature. And I'm going to, I'm going to renew this every day by being with God and with God's word. In this, guess what? There's no delineation, none at all between Greek or Jew. Not at all. In fact, none between circumcised and uncircumcised. Remember, the mark of God's people throughout the Old Covenant was circumcision. And now he says, look, that's, that's meaningless here. And barbarian and Scythian and slave nor free. And you could probably keep going on this list. Say they're all of value, equal value, of equal significance. And the same gift is offered to them. If they would be raised in Christ... And they would let Christ transform their life and live in a new way. All equal. All equal. Christ is in all things and in all people. Hey, today, here's the question I have for you. Get ready to write. What are your 2023 spiritual goals? What do they look like? What goals do you have? You may say, hey, I want to lose 20 pounds, right? I want to read 20 books, Um, What are your spiritual goals? What are you going to do for Christ this year? What are you going to do in Christ this year? If you say, hey, I want to read through the Bible. There is phenomenal reading plans out there. And I would get started. And I would help you understand. It'll take intentionality. There'll be days you don't want to read. There'll be days you read something and you're like, I'm not quite sure what that means. Just push through it. In fact, I've got a bunch of these life journal bookmarks. You'll notice it's every day. You just carry it with you all the way through. This would be the first three months, and then another bookmark comes for the next three months. If you come on Sunday the 8th and say, hey, Pastor Tom, I want one of those bookmarks, 
it's yours. I got about 15 each, right? I'd love to say I bought one for everyone, but I know everyone won't make this commitment to read. But if you want the bookmark, you just hit me up and I'm happy to give you a set of bookmarks to work through. You can also use your Bible app, right? The Bible app. We'll have all kinds of reading plans to work through, as will BibleGateway.com reading plans, plenty of reading plans to get in God's Word. What are your 2023 spiritual goals? Can I just give you a couple that I think would be significant for everyone who says they're Christians? Here's number one. Get in church. Be in church weekly. Make weekly church a priority. This has shifted entirely. In fact, in today's terms, those who say church is a priority, I'm going to be there, they average, on average, about 2.3 Sundays a month. Now, this is not just national average. This is our average. I kind of keep attendance, not for a number's sake, but I, I want to use it as a care list to know how to care for people that might have not been here, been sick, or things like that. But we go right about 2.3 of people who say, look, I'm regular. You know, church is important to me. That had been very different than 40 years ago. It had been more like 3.5 or, or even more. Being in church is a priority. It's a priority. So I'd encourage you, be in church each week. Are there times where you'll wake up and you'll be like, um, man, IHOP's calling. Yeah, push IHOP aside. Set aside IHOP, as Paul is saying is. It, will there be times where you wake up and, and little Johnny doesn't have one of his shoes he can't find? Yeah, just come to church with one shoe. Every parent understands, right? We all get it. Be in church and make church a priority. Listen, I know we do online service. Can I just be straight blunt with you? We do online service for people that are ill or traveling or maybe have a medical condition. We don't do online church for anyone else. We're not trying to build an online campus. And listen, my parents watch every week. My brother watches weekly. So it's not that I don't want to offer them something to plug into as well. So hi, mom. Hi, dad. But our goal is that you are in church, in person with us. Because we just flat out, bluntly believe that's better church. To be in community with one another. So one, be in church. Two, let it go beyond church. Take Sabbath every week. Take Sabbath. Listen, I know as your pastor, uh, I've harped a lot on this in the last few years on Sabbath. Last year, we had a whole series on the Sabbath. I thought I'd spare you that this year. Uh, but be taking the Sabbath, taking Sunday and saying, look, I'm going to cease this day. I'm going to cease. It's not, hey, I'm going to get church in and then phew, I got to get going. I got this to do. I got that to do. I got this to do. I got here. I got to cut the grass. I got to just cease. Just look at what, is, what does the rest of your week look like and say, I'm going to cease that and I'm going to find rest in the Lord on Sunday. Just rest. Listen, I know that I, I'm, I'm probably in an extreme minority and I, I'm always a little careful pushing all the practices of my household on, on people. I want to preach God's word. But let me just share with you, for us 26 years ago, right when we got married, we just decided on Sunday, we're not going to do anything. We were both in school. We we're doing our master's degree. We both said, we're, we're not going to do homework on Sundays, not till after Sabbath ended, sundown on Sunday. Um, and so it carried in with our kids. We don't have our kids do uh, homework on Sunday. We just say, just let your day be different. You can relax, go out and play, what that kind of stuff. Let it be different. 
Then we hit the time where there was sports and travel ball, and we're a sports family. We love, I love baseball, but the kids played soccer and baseball and, and, oh, I don't know, whatever else we got into. And there we were having to decide. And so we told many coaches, my kid will be there every practice, and we will shove them to work hard every practice they show up to. They'll be there every other game, be there for Friday tournament, Saturday tournament, but we won't be there on Sunday. We won't be there for games. We won't be there for practice on Sunday. We're ceasing the weekly activity for the Sabbath. And again, I don't say that from a pious standpoint, and I don't even say it that you have to do that or you're not a good Christian. I'm telling you where we found the beauty of Sabbath and ceasing and resting. And for most Christians... They've just never tried this for an extended period to see what it actually brings. They've reasoned in their head why uh, it won't work. But I don't think most Christians have tried this for an extended period to see the rest it can bring their family. Sabbath, super important. So as far as that one, don't just model Raven family. You go before the Lord and say, what does resting, what does ceasing on the Sabbath look like? And maybe that works into your 2023 goals. And then two, two more quick ones. And these won't come as any surprise. Get into God's word every day. Every day, open up and read something in God's word. You may be working on one verse you're trying to memorize and you just read that verse every day. Trying to, that's okay. Maybe you're working through the Bible like we always already talked about. And that's awesome too. Read through it. Maybe you're saying, look, I want to get through the gospels, but I go a little slower. No problem. Get in there and read. Now, do you have the ability to have it read to you like while you're driving to work and those? Absolutely. I would add that in. But let that be a supplement to you stopping in the morning and giving God your full attention as you're reading. Then get in the car and let it read some more to you or have a sermon uh, preached to you or whatever else. Uh, In fact, here's one for you. In January... Caleb always does their 30-day challenge in the month of January. I would encourage you, if you've never gone exclusive Christian music for an extended period of time, give it a try. The whole 30 days, give Caleb a try the whole month. Guaranteed. You'll hear some things at the beginning, you go like, "Ah, I don't like that. I do it. Sometimes song comes out and I go like, I don't think that connects with me. But I'm just saying intentionally, I'm going to just keep listening It's amazing how in two or three weeks, sometimes that same song is now ministering to me as I drive down the road. So give that a challenge too. And here's, finally, here's here's your fourth one. If you've never experienced the joy of a friend coming to know Christ, then I want to encourage you, make it a 2023 goal that somebody in your life is going to come to know Jesus Christ. Now, you got to partner with God on this because their faith in Christ does not come through you, right? It is them committing to God. But you can do a lot to bring them to the place where they hear the message of the gospel and make a decision. So 2023, invite people. Invite people to come to church, have Christian conversation with it, throw everything out on your social media all the time so they see that's an important part of your life. They know where to go, when to go, all those type of things. Make sharing Jesus central. Why? Because you have a goal of somebody coming to know Jesus Christ in your life. Somebody coming to know Jesus 
in your life. Be super intentional with your faith with your kids if they don't know Jesus yet. But outside of your family, it can be even tougher at work with your extended family, maybe with your parents, uh, sharing Jesus with anyone you can. Make that a priority. So there's a few things you could have wrote down. Maybe you have uh, a list that goes even beyond that, and that's great. Work your list. Work your list this year, just as you would do any other resolution. Post it up so everyone can see it, right? Have accountability. Ask somebody. Tell somebody about it so they can help you along. Well, I hope you've had a blessed new year, or if you're watching this New Year's Eve, you will be safe in there. Have a great week as you kick off your year. I can't wait to see you all on January 8th. I just have this this image of a packed out full church. Um, So make it happen, church. It's going to be great. And we're going to just launch into this thing. We're going to launch into a new series called Fresh Start. And we're talking about the basics of the faith again. So look forward to seeing you next week. Lord bless. We'll see you soon.